Welcome to the Freedom to Rise podcast, a production of United Way Suncoast. Here's your host, Bronwyn Baytal. He shoots, he scores. Today's guest is a native of Manatee County and has starred as an all-state high school basketball and football player at Manatee High School. He went on to play collegiately at Bethune-Cookman University, where he earned a BA in business management, and in 1998, he became the first African-American basketball coach at Manatee Community College, now known as the State College of Florida. He also has enjoyed success as a high school coach at Palmetto High School. Off the court, he scored as a military veteran, youth leader, civic leader, and elected official. He served in the U.S. Army for four years. Thank you for your service. Guided young teens with programs he created and eventually became the executive director of the Palmetto Youth Center. In 2018, he was elected to the Manatee County Board of County Commissioners, a position he still holds today. He's also chair of the Manatee Port Authority and a member of the Tampa Bay Regional Transit Authority. It's my pleasure to welcome Manatee County Commissioner Reggie Bellamy to the Freedom to Rise podcast. Commissioner Bellamy, thank you for joining us. You've spent so many years working with our youth as a sports coach and graduation coach, dropout prevention coordinator and academic advisor. So we really want to chat with you about that work, where our youth are today and what the community can do to help them. But first, let me start at the insistence of my producer, because I don't really follow sports, with a question Uh, regarding your athletic career. You know that already. In many (laughs) ways, athletics can serve as a microcosm for life. What lessons do you take from your athletic experiences and how did they help you succeed in other endeavors like serving on the county commission, maybe? Well, athletics has actually molded me to where I am today as far as you know, that whole team impact is giving you an understanding that together everybody accomplishes more. And then, you know, trying to understand your role and still trying to make the impact and whatever your, your your desired accomplishment is at that particular time. So I think the athletics have been extremely important for me, but my parenting, you know, church background, you know, and, and being the last of my, my, my parents, you know, five kids, you know, that, that kind of molds you in a different way. Also, one, one, one of the things that I always, you know, I've learned through the sports when you're watching film and, you know, through business, you know, the, the decision-making process is so important and you want to mm-hmm. have as much information as you can. I recall in football, we used to watch film a lot and, mm-hmm. you know, they would correct our steps, they would correct our blocking techniques and some of our reads and things like that. You know, and a lot of that's your decision-making process. So one of the things that those sports have really given me, you know, I told my son to put this on my tombstone, is to make good decisions (laughs) and avoid the unnecessary. And and I think that's very important within today's society and how I carry myself. It's it's better to be quick to listen. Mm -hmm. I mean, quick to listen and slow to speak. And I also... Take make good decisions and avoid the unnecessary with me as a county commissioner. You do have some some challenging moments up there, and it, it's best for you to have as much information as you can. So one of the things that I've learned, you know, through sports is just to to make sure that I'm making informed decisions and make good decisions and avoid the unnecessary. So 
Hopefully that'll work out. No, I've always liked the saying, you've got two eyes and two ears and only one mouth. (laughs) So the idea is that you use those those other parts first and you get to that mouth later when when you've really got something to say. So I I like that. Thank you. And hopefully there isn't any tombstone action going on anytime soon. soon. Yes, and I shouldn't say these two things together, but it kind of goes together. Sounds like sports played a role in helping you make it. Um, But as a Manatee native and having celebrated a milestone birthday recently, I will not mention the milestone. That's up to you. Um, You've witnessed a lot of friends who haven't necessarily made it. And we were talking about that the last time we had an opportunity to chat. Right, Um, right. If you're comfortable sharing with our audience, what does that mean to you? Well, the other other day I I was approaching, and and I'm proud to say that I turned 50 on August 29th. And I found myself, you know, the, the week prior to that is reflecting on so many, you know, friends and loved ones that have transitioned that I went to school with, some I went to military with, some you just know in the community, but for whatever reason, um, they did not make it to age 50. So I counted a blessing mm-hmm. for me to be where I am right now today, having the opportunity to impact the community. And we, we should not take life for granted. Uh, right now we're in the midst of the pandemic and, and things, so many things are going left are going in a transitional stage for so many people that are being impacted by the pandemic. And for me to be healthy, I thank God for me to have a job. I thank God for my family to be healthy. I thank God and for me to have the ability to represent my county as a commissioner, to represent the community I serve, and for me to be able to work with youth. As an executive director, you know, I, I take it not for granted and, and I count it as a blessing and I'm, and I'm very thankful for it. So the, the milestone of turning 50, <laughs> my, my son said he wanted 50 more years out of me. And, I'm, and I told nice. him I, I, I want 50 more also. But, you know, it, growing, growing up here, you, you definitely have some advantages and, and some, dis, some, some, some disadvantages. But uh, one of, one of my, my, my relatives who you know, work with one of the, the federal agencies. Now it's like, you've been fortunate enough to make it, you know, from home. And, and, and mm-hmm. sometimes that's very, very difficult. Most people branch out and don't look back, you know, but they have the ability to be able to make it. And I have friends and loved ones here. It, it's a different type of feeling, but it's also a different type of challenge also. That's true too. That's true too. Well, we're just glad that we got to keep you in our community because you're right. Many of our young people who do well, they like to leave leave town and try out different things. But we need to keep our talent here. And we're so glad that you're here. Um, and you are a strong advocate for our children. You have been for a long time. You've worked tirelessly as a leader at the Palmetto Youth Center. What have you seen over the last year or so? Uh, it's more than just this last year. As this generation deals not only with a global pandemic, but the social justice reckoning that caught fire after the murder of George Floyd. Well, first of all, the social <laughs> injustice, it didn't just take place with George Floyd. Right. Um, this, this, this has taken place uh, for 400 years. Nothing new. <laughs> and and, and what, what has happened is the development of technology is allowing these unfortunate situations to be captured. 
in, in the past, you know, these things would be brought forward and there would be like of evidence or like of people that want to come forward. Now you have people that's going live and, and, and things that's being videoed and people speaking up and speaking out, which is, you know, really, really climbing that mountain of equality that we're looking at or we're trying to get to as far as minorities. So I, I honestly think, you know, when people say that this is the George Floyd, you know, era, you know, no disrespect to the person or people that are saying that, but there's so many other stories that are out there like that where individuals, you know, have been mistreated and the justice system have put them in situations where because of the, the cops said this or because they think this took place, you know, justice really is, is really never served. And I think we have an opportunity here to challenge that. And I honestly mm-hmm. think we should. We, we we should challenge it. Don't don't be afraid to hold a tough conversation. And and, and we do know that racism um occurs. And and I think when we start talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, I think we should challenge those difficult situations. I think we should look at data, but we also should find the untold story. Because the mm-hmm. un- the untold stories that are out there really give the listener an opportunity to, to, to become a part of some of the most horrific experiences that people of color have, have gone through. Mm-hmm. It's, you're absolutely right. And you're, I knew when I asked that question that you would go there and take it in that direction because it is so important. It isn't anything new. And it's important for all of us to understand that reckoning that is coming because we see it more. And I think it's also because we're at home seeing it more. So we can't look away. We're at home. So we have to see and and understand that this is happening in our society. Well, one one thing that I will say, we we, we had a march, you know, shortly after, a community march shortly after the the, the George Floyd murder. And in that march, when I spoke, you know, I encouraged the, the people within the audience you know, if you are a minority, make sure you tell your story. But on the other side of that, you know, one thing that I talked to with the county administrator, she was, it was Sherry Corrier at that time, but I've also spoken to Dr. Host about it, is for, you know, allowing minorities to be heard and allowing, you know, managers to allow their staff that are minorities or directors that, that know that they have managers that are minorities to be heard. And, you know, Ask them what you know. What 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 is your story? And and, and because if there are a lot of people of color that, that that have a story. You know, I have stories from experiences that I had when I was growing up here in Manatee County. I have some stories that I experienced when I was in in the military. So if you listen to the story, it gives the listener an opportunity to have a different type of respect, but a different type of connection of the reality that racism does exist. And after that, you know, we, we looked at some challenges as far as how could we really, really look at the things that go on in, in Manatee County that are taking place, you know, not only nationally, but locally. And that, that obviously, you know, brought me forward, I mean, brought forward, you know, when we brought the proclamation declaring racism a public health crisis. And with us bringing that forward, it's given us opportunity to look at some data as far as education, um, healthcare, and, and finances. And, you know that that borderline where you know the numbers are showing because of uh, individuals' color 
you know, some, some things are just not going in the right direction. And we want to challenge that before I bring that data forward. We're fine tuning and we're making sure that it's aligned and vetted. But we definitely got to make sure that we address it. But we have some real issues. We really do. Well, th- thank you. It's it's interesting because that's where I was going. So you already went there in terms of that next question of why was it so important to you to bring that to the county commission and get racism declared as a public health crisis? And you came with solutions. You came with some actionable items that we can do as a community. Why did you think that was so important? And how can we help you help all of us move that forward for a stronger community? Well, the, the, the reality of it is you always have a problem, but you, when you're looking for a solution, you have to have action steps to those solutions. And, and I think so often we, we're willing to have, you know, some level of conversation, not necessarily the tough conversation. We're willing to look at some type of data. What We don't want to look at the individuals that are causing the data to be that way. And I think, yes. the, I think the reality of it is, you know, when, when you know that there is a problem and you, you have a data driven problem, you look at the individuals that is involved, you hopefully can get them at the table and have that tough conversation. And now you want to move the needle on that data in a positive direction. And, and, and I think with some of the solutions that have come forward, we will have the ability to, to make a difference. I mean, what, what we did a couple of weeks ago, we brought forward the social status of the black man and the black boy. And we talked about education. We talked about finances. We talked about healthcare, and how things can take and be looked at totally different. I mean, if we if we become more educated, we allow young black men and black boys to become more educated. But that just that, that does not matter. And that does not you know stay with just the education part. You know, when you become a little more educated, you know, you deal with your finances a little different. You deal with your health care a little bit more different. And if your health care is going is going differently, you'll be able to perform on your job a little a, a little different. I, I think there's a lot of, of things that tie into that. And and we, we're excited about the opportunity to bring it forward. But there's there are other entities that we're going to have to make sure that's willing to come to the table. And they are, and they and they are, and, and and look at or listen to some of those so some of those tough problems, and find out how we can unite and come together to make to make sure we make a difference. Absolutely, I I love that. Um, we've always said with United Way Suncoast, we believe that everybody deserves equitable access to opportunities to create the life they imagine, and those opportunities we believe come through education and specifically reading and literacy. So I I consider literacy a civil rights issue of our time, just making sure that all of our children have the same and equitable access to that and to that type of learning. So what challenges are you finding at the center that our children need to help navigate in that that area? Well, I think some some of the challenges are resources. And, and some of the, the, the challenges are, are within, you know, we serve Alice kids, you know, and, and when, when you're dealing with those type of youth that fall up under, you know, that, that type of data, I, I think you, you have to be honest with, you know, they're, they're looking for resources, but more importantly, that, that home life where, 
you know, the, the, the parents are not available. What, what ways that we can kind of support that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and here at, at the youth center prior to the pandemic, we, we started doing incentives on reading and asking them to do peer to peer reading, you know, parent to child reading, sibling to sibling reading, coming up with a grandparent, grandkid night of reading, whatever creative way that we can make sure that reading gets into the house. Having it at the youth, the Palmetto Youth Center is good, but we need mm-hmm. reading in the home. We need, we need, we need reading in the home and we need reading to be a part of the morning conversation when they're going to school. If they're reading the newspaper or if they're reading, you know, their book that they have to discuss in class, we need reading to be a part of that conversation at night, you know, prior, prior to prayer, reading a, a Bible scripture or whatever, you know, they like to do the detox, but we need to make sure that reading is, is often discussed and often practiced in, in the home. And I think that's a challenge. I think that okay. I, I think that's a challenge. And, and how do we incentivize that? And how do we support individuals that, that like those resources? You know, whether it's a book or whether it's someone that they want to read with. If they don't have a sibling, you know, do we give them a mentor? And the mentors match up with them virtually and they read the same book together. There's a lot of different ways that it, it can be tackled, you know, and what the pandemic has brought forth. You know, the challenge is that if, if, the, if the family does not have a computer at home, they definitely can't do Zoom, but they still can communicate, you know, via telephonically and things like that. But again, that's those resources. You know, I mean, they may not have a phone. Everybody may have a cell phone. There's so many different ways that we can take the drive of, of reading and put it into the family and find ways to not only just enhance, re- enhance reading, but enhance technology understanding, you know, in in finding ways to build family relationships. Because if you're reading together, you're spending more time together. I mean, there's so many different ways that we can look at it. And it's it's not going to be an individual solution. It's going to have to be a collective group where we're we're, going to have some successes, but we may miss a couple of times also. But, you know, I always, that's one of the things that we were talking about earlier. You know, I got on my, on my wall, and I got it from you know my my English teacher who I call my white mother. She gave me this <laughs> little she gave me this little sign and 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 told me you know quitters quitters never win and winners never quit. And 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 I keep that with me and and, and I and I hold a lot to her. And you, you laugh, but you know on my 50th birthday I made sure I called my mom and my dad and I called my two white parents as my head nice. basketball coach and his wife. You know hey. I'm 50. I made it. I thank God. And, and you are responsible for uh, uh, for me making where I am now. So thank you. And I, and I think that's very important to, to acknowledge that. I'm sorry if I went out on a tangent. I'm sorry. No, you didn't at all. It's you're bringing back memories. It's my dad who taught me the love of reading. We didn't spend much time with him growing up, but the things I remember are him reading to us and the sound of his voice and the turn of the page and even the sound of his mouth as he would do that. So I get that and how that just embeds that warmth in you when you're reading. So as you mentioned, you know, having resources in the home and that struggle of one of the statistics from the Suncoast campaign for grade level reading that I learned is that in middle-income families, there are 13 books for every one child. In our lower-income families, there's one book for every 300 children in our communities. That's a startling statistic that 
We can't point fingers. We have to come to solutions. And so as we, as you are now a county commissioner, and we are thrilled to have you in that position, what can you and your fellow county commissioners do to help our children as they face well, these uphill struggles? Well, I, I think one of the things, um, if, if you take that data that you just presented, there's a humane, a humane side of anyone that should step up and say that's flat out depressed. That's discouraging. It's not okay. Right, and and it's not okay. And one of the one of the things that I think that I can do as an individual, I can only play my part, right, and my mm-hmm. role. And over over the summer, we had a lot of different initiatives that our library was was doing where we were reading books virtually so kids can tune in and things like that is, is, is have a presence within the problem, right? And having mm-hmm. a presence within the problem is you know that reading is the problem and you know that some of the youth that struggle with the resources, how can you help that? How can you be present within the problem? And when I was invited, when I was invited to read to the youth, I made it fun. <laughs> I, want, I I enjoyed it, but I also asked them, can I have a prop? And we asked, we also brought a dog and, and read to the dog because, you know, a lot of the youth, you know, they, they, they may not have that sibling and that grandparent may be asleep or, or, or watching the evening news and that parent may be working or not available, but sometimes they have a pet or sometimes they have a favorite stuffed animal or something like that. And I wanted to give them a message, you know, within the presence of the problem, you can read to your pet. We just want you reading. We just, yes. we just want you reading. And, and I think one of the things that I can do is continue to stress the importance of it. And then if there's an opportunity to move that needle, as far as that, 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 that devastating statistic that you read, as far as one book for every 300, I hope I'm and saying it the right mm-hmm. way, what, what what can we do to help move that needle? What what can we do for the low income to make sure that they have books in the house, or to the, 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 the make sure that they have access where they can they, they can either read things online and go from there? There's a lot of opportunity out there with technology where reading can be made fun, yep. it can be incentivized. But I think our bottom line, if we really want to take ownership of it. From a county perspective, we have to be willing to support the resources. And that's something mm-hmm. that I'm willing to do. I can't speak for the other six commissioners, but I can definitely speak for Reggie Bellamy. I'm going to have presence within the problem, and I'm going to also support any opportunity that we can to bring resources, all right, with, with, within a reasonable approach of, of budget impact. I don't want nobody to take that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that disclaimer. It's right. <laughs> yes, totally understood. Right, yes. Exactly, but I think that's important that we take we take presence and we and, and and ownership. And what I mean by take presence, let's be a part of it. Let some of our youth see us engaged in reading, you know, and that gives them a vision. And and then the ownership part of we can make decisions to, to help support resources coming to any reading program. I mean, I'm sure you are aware mm-hmm. that I we have a reading program at the Palmetto Youth Center that the um, United Way supported us with. And is it okay if I talk on that very briefly? It absolutely is. That was what my next question. It was, here we are, we're working together on a trip. 
let's right. talk about that. And, and, and what that is, that's the Trojan Reading Improvement Program. And the reason why it's like an umbrella, because it does not matter whether it's the, it's the grade level with the third grade level with the issues that we have at the Title I schools or the schools that we serve North River, whether it's elementary school, you need to learn how to read and be at grade level, whether it's middle school, you need to be at grade level. And once you get to high school, you need to be preparing for trade school, military, or college. And how you prepare for them will be more, you know, of taking those standardized tests. And again, that's having the ability to read. So with the Trojan Reading Improvement Program, we, we do have that, you know, broad approach and we want to impact as many as we possibly can. You know, right now, it, it, it seems like the numbers are more within the, the elementary standpoint, but truthfully, that's where the problem is. But mm-hmm. I, do re, I do recall from when I was in college, when I was taught, you know, certain reading skills and things like that, and how it helped me, you know, transition and be able to perform better um, academically. With the, the, the Trojan Reading Improvement Program, we went hard on trying to get, you know, books and resources, but more important, important involvement, that parental yes. involvement piece. And again, we talked about encouraging the, the, the parents to read to each other, the siblings to read to each other, the grandparents. And then I actually had a, some people laughing at me when they saw the video <laughs> of me reading of me reading to the, to the to the dog. But I wanted to have a very realistic approach so the kids can read to their pets. But we also brought in, you know, some incentives as far as the amount of books to read. And, you know, we, we actually received some supports from many entities where we gave by gift cards, gift cards, we gave our bicycles. We gave out a number of things so we can make sure that we planted that seed of the importance of reading. Mm-hmm. And we'll continue to do that. We did have some challenges when the pandemic came, but we're preparing, we're preparing to better perform with that, you know, so we can do a lot more things virtually. But our Trojan Reading Improvement Program, I honestly feel like it's going to take a, 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 another step here within the next 18 months because we do have adults out there that, don't, that yes. do not need to read and are trying to find a way to get their GED. And some of those skills that we try to offer here can actually help and support them as well. But again, that does not change the Trojan Reading Improvement Program. It enhances it, sure. and it allows us to reach from a broader perspective. And I would love, I would love for one day to have one of my youth reading to the grandparents and the grandparents reading to the youth, you know, inside the facility. I think that's something where we know that we really impact and, you mm-hmm. know, the lives. So I think our Trojan Reading Improvement Program is not just important, but it's important to the community. Because in order for us to really impact that grade level reading campaign, we have to take and throw an umbrella, I mean, throw a net and catch as many as we possibly can, however we can, and ring them in so we can make sure we, we, we improve some of that data out there as it connects with the grade level reading issues that we have here. Absolutely. 100%. And what I like about you, Commissioner Bellamy, and I'm sure that this is what community connects to as well, as you walk the talk. You actually, I mean, the reading to a dog. So if you're going to ask your students to do it, you're going to model what that looks like and you're going to show them how fun it is and and how that 
can make a difference for them and, and give them the bravery that they might need to kind of take that on. So we appreciate that about you. And I want to make sure I shared that with you. So as we close out here, this has been a really great conversation. Thank you so much. And I know that Palmetto Youth Center is starting to work in a new direction. So if you want to talk just a very little bit about that, where do you want to go, Reggie? The, the history of the Palmetto Youth Center, you know, goes back to 1957 with four walls. And we, we've been thriving and trying to move, you know, in, in different directions over those years. Right right now, we are we are moving forward. We want a new facility and we want to put ourselves in an area where we're not just impacting youth, we're impacting adults. And we, we want to be a community incubator here where we're putting ourselves in a situation where if it's business, we enhance the business. Whether it's, it's low reading scores, we're enhancing that. If they need to learn more about, you know, health and, and taking those diagnostic tests as far as the diabetes and blood pressure and things like that, we want to be a, a beacon in the community that's going to draw people to show them that we care and we, we're willing to share our resources to make a difference. And in order for us to do that, you know, we need us a new facility and we want to be able to impact as many lives as we possibly can. We have a, a great property here, about 12, 12, about 12 and a half, 13 acres, which will give us a little bit to expand. And we do have a vision. So, so right now, I think as we continue to adjust to the pandemic strides and we continue to make sure that we, we put small things in, in a different direction for the youth center, our goal within the next two to three years is to be able to start, you know, and break ground on this new facility and move in a direction where we can welcome and spread our arms. I mean, our, our, our community is very diverse now. You know, 25, yes. well, 30, 30, 35 years ago, you know, when you talked about minority, you were only talking about Blacks that mm. came to the facility. I mean, what I, on, prior to us getting started, you know, I had to find my interpreter to help someone that spoke Spanish. And, you know, because we have a, a huge representation of the Hispanic population and the Creole population. And we want them to feel welcome. And we want yes. to be able to extend our resources to them also so they can have better quality of life. 100%. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our conversation. I'm so glad we were able to get, have this chat. And I'm, I'm so glad you got to round out our last of the nine episodes here in Sarasota, Manatee and DeSoto of United Way Suncoast Freedom to Rise. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me and whatever you do, please be safe and take care of yourself. Absolutely. The same to you. Okay, everybody. Now it's time for Bronwyn's big takeaway. We need to cast a wide net and catch as many children as we can. We need to have a presence within the problem. This pandemic with its staggering number of deaths and demands for isolation has brought an added toll for our children. An article in the July edition of Sarasota Magazine noted that 85 children in Sarasota, Manatee, and DeSoto counties had been removed from a home because of a parent or guardian's inability to cope. Clearly, there's an increase in behavioral health and mental health needs. And that adds to long-term problems such as anxiety, depression, cyberbullying, motivation, and drug and alcohol abuse. We started this podcast series by pointing out the critical importance of grade level reading success for all of our children. 
If a child does not reach the benchmark of reading on grade level by the time they leave third grade, they are four times less likely to graduate from high school on time. One of the determining factors is that this milestone is when children transition from learning to read to reading to learn. The Brain Health Institute and Healthline recently released a range of benefits that arise from reading. You probably won't find it surprising to hear that reading boosts school performance and increases vocabulary. But did you know that reading can also reduce stress, help you get a good night's rest, and relieve depression? Reading is fundamental to learning, but it's also fundamental to living. If there's one message we want our listeners to take away from our first series of podcasts, it's that without a doubt, reading gives every member of our community the freedom to rise. Reading can ensure equity. It's been my pleasure to host the first nine episodes that focused on early learning and grade level reading in Manatee, Sarasota, and DeSoto counties. I'm now going to pass the baton to my colleague and fellow Chief Impact Officer, Emery Ivory, so he can help illuminate United Way Suncoast's work in Pinellas and Hillsborough counties. We'll continue to underscore early learning and grade level reading, while also focusing on youth success and financial stability. To everyone out there, we want to make sure you realize the door is always open for you to get help, or if you're able, to help. Because it's never really been just about the reading. It's about our ability to lead and guide our own lives in the way that we see fit. And the work of United Way Suncoast has never been more important. It's work we do together. United we rise, united we win. Onward.